You're listening to Why We Do What We Do. Welcome to Why We Do What We Do. I'm your host for this week, Miranda, and we have something a little different for this episode. As you may know, the goal of this podcast is to present accessible information on the psychology of why we do what we do, and there are many different ways to go about this. If you're a regular listener, you've heard the Why We Do What We Do team discuss a wide variety of topics, and more recently, you've heard some awesome interviews with experts in the field of psychology. For today's episode, we're bringing it all together and adding a little something extra to explore an interesting phenomenon of consumer behavior. We'll be speaking with an economist, sharing some stories, and Ryan O will drop by too. So kindly stick around because today on Why We Do What We Do, we'll be diving into the concept of anchoring, otherwise known as how we get tricked into buying some of the things we buy. Could you give us your name, please? My name's Austin Harris. And what is it that you do? I'm an economist. So what what kind of work have you done um, within economics? So I do a lot of pricing type work. Uh, So look at, you know, what's the price people are willing to pay? Is something too high? Is it too low? What's a reasonable price? Okay. And what exactly is it that you're going to be talking with us about today? So what I'm here to talk to you about today is what's called anchoring. 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 Okay, so not we're not talking nautical, um, nothing like that, nothing to do with ships. This is an actual... This is an actual actual term in economics and in psychology more broadly as well, yes. Okay, okay, now that we're all on the same boat, <laughs> what exactly is anchoring then? Uh, so anchoring is a cognitive bias where we place too much importance on a single piece of information, typically the first piece of information that we hear about any given object or, or topic. It has a, a wide range of, of applications, as I've said, particularly in pricing and in consumer behavior. And I'm assuming that it's maybe a little surprising how it affects consumer behavior? Yeah, so it's predictably irrational, which is a phrase coined by a guy named Dan Ariely. So it's a little bit of like an oxymoron. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. It's it, it's used in ways to kind of twist people's behavior in some way that they're not really doing what they think they're doing. Okay, and I'm sure you've never fallen victim to this being the super smarty pants economist that you are. Oh, no, of course. I, I've, you know, just because I know about it doesn't mean that I'm immune. I remember one time I was coming back from a trip from Europe and I had a stop off in Thailand. And as you do, I went to go get a bunch of suits made. Uh, so I went into the tailor and he sat me down, got me a beer. It was all very nice and, and comfortable. And then, you know, showed me kind of the, the creme de la creme, the Rolls Royce of suits that he could do. All the options, the vest, the extra pants, the fancy inner lining, amazing, beautiful suit. Unfortunately, it was well out of my price range. He then suggested a bit more of a plain option, you know, no vest, you know, cheaper material. Still really nice, but far more affordable. And I said, great, excellent, bought the suit, walked out. It wasn't until really I'd gone out that I'd realised, well, I've spent far more than I had intended to. And it was only really because the suit seemed such a much better deal compared to the first suit that I saw that I was willing to do it in the first place. And that's a, you know, a stereotypical case of anchoring in effect. 
So how do we see this across wider markets, if you will? So this kind of anchoring effect happens all the time. Restaurants are really well known for it. Uh, it's often kind of said that the, the most expensive item on a menu is not really there to be bought. It's basically there to make the rest of the menu seem you know, more affordable and reasonable by comparison. Similarly, if you look at the wine menu, everyone knows, oh, you don't buy the cheapest bottle of wine, you buy the second cheapest bottle of wine, that's where you get your deal. Well, restaurants know this, of course. No one wants to be the guy who buys the cheapest bottle of wine on a date. And so you'll often find that the second cheapest bottle of wine has the highest percentage markup of the entire wine menu. So this whole anchoring idea was sounding to me like a version of this principle within the science of behavior called stimulus control. So I caught up with Ryan O to chat about it. Okay, let's chat a little bit about uh, stimulus control. Ryan, briefly, what is stimulus control? So this idea of stimulus control is that there's some sort of like object, idea, or something like you've interacted with in your history that influences you. So it's very much individualized. Uh, so what influences me or maybe like in this, what we're talking about here of, you know, what products are enticing to us. Um, it's totally individualized, but it can also kind of be on a continuum. So like not everything necessarily influences you the same sort of way. So when I say that like influences you, it can be through in your sort of senses, sight, touch, hear, taste, or smell. All of those are really relevant. That's really, really interesting. And we know that not just humans, pretty much any living organism has things they've experienced that will influence how they react to those same things another time. But can you talk a little bit about how kind of language or our experience with that might change the way we react to certain things we've experienced? Yeah, so a good example of like an everyday, uh, to kind of like tie this into also an example of everyday like stimulus control that we all experience is, um, for example, your phone vibrates and that feeling of that vibration, like the idea would be that would um, control the response of reaching and picking it up and looking at it. A good way to really tie that example in with language is, say you've just recently met that like big business contact that you've been trying to make or you just had a new job or you just met someone at the uh, bar the night before. Um, those sort of things and how we kind of talk to ourselves about them can actually alter the way that you then interact with your phone. So maybe, for example, I go out to the bar and the next day I'm actually checking my phone a lot more and I'm doing it every time I think of, you know, has that person like texted me or like have they reached out or when are they gonna do those sort of things? Like that's all language based and us kind of thinking about those sort of things. So the idea is that this stimulus control can be altered by the way in which you talk about it or your culture talks about it. I like to break down our history into two sources of influence, either directly experiencing or indirectly experiencing, and this indirect is like through language. So let's take an example for the first. So look at the example of looking at a pricing sign of some sort uh, that says like an original price of $29.99, but it's now marked down or slashed out and it says $19.99. Now, we could be deciding if it's a good deal based on the direct history of 
just interacting with these the site of these sort of two prices so we have some practice maybe of which numbers are higher and lower and we all generally pretty much have this right so we simply discriminate that the the $19.99 is cheaper than the $29.99 so we buy it this is probably happening however I bet there's something a little bit more going on here so in that first example it was just the history of us seeing smaller and larger prices seeing the site of the sign and that influencing a relatively simple choice based on our history of small and large numbers and choice making of course but if we add language now there's the site of the deal and remember the deal here is the 29.99 slash out and then the 19.99 next to it this site of the deal can lead to us talking to ourselves thinking and when this happens essentially our history of deals paired with the site of prices that are slashed out motivates us to act because the shoes themselves are now more valuable they were $29.99 now they're $19.99 but it's the same shoe so it's much more valuable to you and you act on that so it's presumed that this happens because of language and specifically a history of relating things to each other which is pretty well exemplified in Austin's examples or if you had seen the $29.99 markdown sign into $19.99 like when you were out on your errand getting your shoes See, that's the funny thing. Anchoring and the like, price anchoring effect is most commonly seen in sales uh, and price discounting. And it works in part because we love the idea of getting a deal. In economics, we call this transactional utility. In other words, how happy are we are with the deal itself rather than whatever it is that we happen to have bought. Best example of this is the retailer JCPenney. Back in 2012, they brought in a new CEO after years of falling sales who said we're going to get rid of the artificially high prices and coupons that the store was known for and institute a, a blanket normal price, you know, everyday deal type thing. Uh, the idea being that you wouldn't no longer, you'd no longer have to go hunt for different coupons and clip them all together and bring them in to get the cheapest price. What you see is we what you get. Sales tanked. And so much so that by the start of 2014, the CEO, Ron Johnson, was out the door. People knew that the prices that they were listed initially weren't the full price. No one was ever going to pay that price. But they loved the idea that they were getting a deal and the grabbing the coupons and the sourcing the best price and going to store was all part of the experience that they enjoyed. And they got almost as much, if not more, pleasure out of that than the actual product they were buying. Anchoring also kind of explains why you often see buy one get one free deals rather than 50% off sales. I mean, when you think about it, functionally, they're exactly the same. Uh, in fact, it would actually be better to have a 50% off deal because that way you can only buy what you can buy one and use the best money for something else if you want. But retailers have found through experience and trial and error that the idea of getting an item for free is so appealing and that anchor is just lodges in your mind and it's far more compelling to the average person than a 50% off deal. But this seems like surely if you if you're aware of it you can somehow control it like if you're someone who has studied this if you're someone who is even just a lay person that's been made aware I mean, it seems like you could control your behavior and not actually uh, fall victim, so to speak, to anchoring. One of the things that I find personally fascinating about the whole idea is that the anchor doesn't even need to be a real number. 
uh, to influence or affect our behaviour. There's a 2003 study that was conducted using 55 MBA students, so smart, educated people, who were shown six kind of normal everyday products, books, fancy chocolate, wine, things like that. And they were given a brief description of the item, and then they asked if they would be willing to purchase that item for the sum of the last two digits of their social security number. So essentially a random number, really. They went, you know, wrote all that down, and then they were asked again separately, what's the maximum they would be willing to pay for each one of those items? And they knew that there was a chance that they would be given the opportunity to buy that. So it was all kind of above board that we were using you know, real money. What the researchers found was that those with the higher social security number willing to pay as much as 100% more than on average for each one of those items than those with the lower social security number. You know, completely random, made up number still had a huge influencing effect on these very smart, intelligent MBA students. There's nothing we can do. <laughs> Run now, children. Run. <laughs> you are anything like me, you may be thinking that, sure, the concept of anchoring is interesting, but also the fact that we can be so affected by things around us and not know it is pretty unsettling. But I'd like us to try and reframe this idea. Sure, we are influenced by the numbers we see and the values we attribute to them, and this can result in us shopping or moving about the consumer world in a particular way. But really, this is just a snapshot of a larger rule of the universe, this law, which is this. We function within our experiences, both past and present, as well as our thoughts of the future. We are the people we've met and the places we've been. We are our triumphs and our failures, but also this thing we saw on the newsstand waiting in line at the grocery store or the conversation we heard in passing on the bus. Everything around us has the potential to affect why we do what we do. We are not always conscious of this fact, but it is a fact, and it manifests itself in how we experience and react to the world around us. It boils down to this. The perceptibly arbitrary is anything but that. You've been listening to Why We Do What We Do. Why We Do What We Do is supported in part by ABAI's Disseminating Behavior Analysis Special Interest Group and our amazing listeners. If you like what you heard, consider heading to our Patreon account at patreon.com slash podcast. Anything helps, and we are continuously lining up perks and merch for our supporters. If you have any comments or questions, we'd love to hear from you. Find us at podcast on your favorite social media platforms. You can learn more about this and other episodes by going to www.wwdpodcast.com. There, you'll find links as well as detailed and shareable show notes. Why We Do What We Do is Abraham, Ryan O, and Miranda. Artwork and logo design by Andrew Pollock at nogdesigns.com. Video and production assistance from Tyler Brucier with music courtesy of Justin Greenhouse. Thanks for listening, and we hope you have an awesome day.